0: This episode of Beyond Your Why is brought to you by our Why app. Head over to whyinstitute.com to take the Why app so you can discover your why today. Knowing your why is the essential first step in having the clarity to move forward faster and have a bigger impact. Welcome to Beyond Your Why podcast, where we go beyond just talking about your why and actually helping you discover and then live your why. And if you've been on the podcast or listened to the podcast, you know that what I do is talk about a particular why and then bring somebody on that has that why. And so today we're going to be talking about the why of trust, to create relationships based upon trust. Now, people with this why believe that trust is the most important thing and will work hard to create it. They will become educated as experts in a particular subject and demonstrate that expertise as a way of establishing trust. They will do things right in order to demonstrate that they are trustworthy. They want to know that you believe in them and will go the extra mile to demonstrate that with their actions, words, and deeds. In communication with someone with this why, you might hear words along the lines of, You can count on me. People with this why include accountants, support staff, and those in service-oriented professions such as chiropractic, physical therapy, caregivers, and nurses. So you just heard a Harley Davidson takeoff, and so you're probably wondering now, how the heck did you have that happen? So my guest I met a, long, a while back, I don't even know how long it's been now, but a couple of years, probably two years ago, at a brewery with another good friend of mine and so right now i am sitting outside at a brewery and we are going to have our podcast interview here at the brewery now i've never done this before so we're trying this for the first time it's a very casual environment i've got a beer he's got a beer but i want to read you his bio so you know who we're talking to today we are talking with Colonel. Matthew Magnus. Now he has served over 27 years in the United States Air Force and is currently vice commander of the Air Force Operational Test and Evaluation Center in Kirtland Air Force Base here in New Mexico. The center's mission is to independently test and evaluate new capabilities in operationally realistic environments to inform warfighters and influence national resource decisions and is comprised of over 70 military civilian and contractor personnel working at operating test locations across the US now prior to this position colonel magnus was the center's director of operations other posts include serving a year in afghanistan as the 9th air force or Ninth air expeditionary task force director of operations helping lead more than 1800 special ops airmen and 9 squadron as the Deputy Commander of 1st Special Operations, as well as being the commander of the 550th Special Operations Squadron, where he led and oversaw the flying operations and training of 350 Special Operations and Rescue students annually. Colonel Magnus has flown Special Op C-130 operationally in the United States, Europe, and Middle East, as well as flying 10 different aircraft throughout his career. He holds master's degrees in strategic studies and military arts and science. That was a mouthful, and I am so excited to have you here. Colonel Magnus, thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Thanks, my friend. I very much appreciate it, and I love this new format that you're introducing here, this (laughs) man-in-the-street concept. I think it's perfect. I think you need to run with it. Uh, I think it's a a lot of value to uh, the listeners because it adds
0: another dimension to this Y. That's perfect because this is where we met. You remember we were sitting at a, at a different brewery mm-hmm. and we were with a, with a good friend of both of ours and I remember he said, uh, hey Gary, have you told Matt uh, what you do? And I remember saying, you know what, instead of me telling you what, what I do, let me have you take the Y app and then we can have a conversation about it. And I remember you took the Y app right there in the brewery and what was your reaction? About, How did that feel for about you? About
1: two minutes took me to take the app. And uh, you know, it came out with trust. You know, there, there is my why. And and within uh, two minutes after that, you were, uh, were explaining basically everything I've been experiencing and, and I'm feeling for the rest of uh, for my life, for the for my entire uh, being. I about, yeah, that's a, that that describes me. And every time you said something, yeah, that describes me. You know, when someone uh, violates your trust, it feels like a gut punch, a, you know, a sharp a sharp a stab to the chest. Like, yeah. I feel that way when
0: someone does not follow through with their words. So, yeah, I I got it immediately. And then you went specifically to a situation that was happening with you. You said, man, that explains why I'm feeling like Mm. I'm feeling. And I know you don't probably want to go into a lot of detail, but kind of give everybody an overview of what was going on and then how that made you feel. Sure. And and I
1: just want to get up to your your listeners here. I am uh, just representing myself. Uh, This is not a position of the Air Force. This is a presentation of how I took the Y app and uh, how I came about with trust. So as a, as a result, you know, here I am, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I took what Y did and I actually brought it to the Air Force, Yes, which was uh, tremendously helpful, and actually took my organization through the Y yep. and had to do a small test group, 20 people, uh, because I thought we could be a better organization because I saw how fast the Y app could be, but then quickly discover what makes people tick within yep, my organization. Yep. I could be a more effective leader as a result of that. And I did it again, I think what, four or five months later, I brought you back and had to do another 20 people. Yep. And as that, I'm still thinking, you know what, I should, because I, I saw an, uh, an 80-person organization, like, man, I wish I brought everybody, everybody in on yes. this. But, you know, it is what it is. I got half my organization to, uh, done on the yes. up. I encouraged them to, to take it, but it became, again, a, a more effective leader. But back to the situation you're talking about. Yeah. My superintendent, my senior ranking listed member within the organization, got a small infraction on base, and as a result, got a ticket. You know, and you know it's a non finable ticket. It's not like you, uh, you know, are uh, have to go appear in front of anybody, but you have to notify your senior supervisor that you got a ticket from one of the security police officers on base. No big deal, right? Yep. <laughs> well. Big deal for me because he didn't really paint that full picture when he came and told me that he got a ticket and what he got a ticket for, you know. And I wasn't until I had another uh, member of my organization. Uh, she was what we call the section commander in the army. They call it the garrison commander. The person is basically in charge of all discipline within the organization, right? You know, uh, UCMJ authority. And she came to tell me that so and so got a ticket for, you know, X reason, right? And I'm like, that's not what he told me. Mm. Completely different. He only gave me partial a part of the story and so then in my, I felt like why didn't he give me the full trust story? What, what was the trust aspect on why he didn't want to give that? And it really did uh, impinge on relationship. So yeah. yes, I brought him in. I had a, a sit down with him and I explained to him what the rules were you know yeah. And you know took it very uh, seriously. but it wasn't until I think he came and he actually took the Y app well yes. I think he took the class when he realized that my why was, Trust. trust yes and then you're like oh my gosh I realized what I did yeah you know, where where
0: I valued relationship with folks you know this is where I saw it And you know what was it really interesting to me is when when I when after you discovered your why is trust and you looked up at me and I started talking to you about it about the characteristics of that why I saw you nodding a lot and you were I could see you were just thinking and there was something going on and I know now I know that it was that story that you were just Mm -hmm. talking about where he gave you part of the information but really left out some pretty darn important parts of it which put you in a bad spot which made you look like you don't know what you're talking about which obviously didn't feel good to you Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah well one of the things that I told you if you remember was So, and this is for everybody else on this, listening to this podcast, who has the why of trust. If that is your why, and you don't let people know that trust is a big deal to you, how important trust is to you, then that's also on you. Because there's no way that they would know that unless you articulate that to them. If you don't sit down and say, hey, you know, for me, trust is the most important thing. If I can trust you and you can trust me, sky's the limit. But if I can't trust you, then we really shouldn't have a relationship. Once you articulate that to people, then it's out there and they can say, yeah, I believe the same thing. I'm in and I won't let you down.
1: And, and that's an that's essential part of making sure you, you communicate that with folks. And, and the folks with the trust wide, make sure you tell folks what you value. Yeah. Uh, uh, because sometimes it can very, be very hard when someone questions your integrity. And just the other day, uh, you know, I'm at that point in life where I'm uh, reevaluating life insurance, right? And talking to the agents over the phone and you, you go through the litany of questions they're going to ask you. And do you do this? Do you do that? Have you gotten any speeding tickets in the past five years or car accidents? Because they're trying to assess the risk on you. And when you tell them no uh, as the truth, but then they say, well, can we have your driver's license number? I'm like, I just said I didn't get anything asked against, and now you want accidents or infractions, and now you want to question it by looking that up. And it really really does impinge on that. Not that she would know that. It's over the phone. But the whole point of that was trying to, uh, I guess, get beyond that. She no longer trusts me.
0: This relationship
1: is already starting off on a bad foot.
0: You know, what's, what's interesting about that is if they had asked me for that, I wouldn't have thought that way. I would have said, okay, here. Yeah, I'd have, yeah, have happily given it to her, but yeah, you saw it yeah, totally it, differently. I, I know, right?
1: And, and it comes back to a, a, a story uh, of a fellow airman I was serving with over in England uh, about 20 years ago, believe it or not, probably 22 years ago. You know, We are both over there, and uh, he uh, had a situation with his landlord. His landlord got in a lot of trouble with the magistrate over there in England and had to be called to court, and he was actually called to court as one of the uh, witnesses wow. to what the infractions uh, of what the landlord was doing. And he wore his military service dress, you know, with the medals and the the, the rank and, the, you know, uh, the tie. And uh, all, all throughout the proceedings, you know, he watched people go up and put their hand on the Bible and swear they'll tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Then when his turn turned to came, he says, no, you don't need to swear in, your word is your bond, recognizing that he was a military member. And that kind of summed it up right there. And so as a military member you know, where the military is viewed always within the top, you know, five professions of having the most integrity. It consistently always ranks up there. And that kind of really just epitomizes exactly how I felt. But when you go home to your neighbors, when you go home in the community, you take the uniform off, but you still have that high level of integrity, yet they don't know that. But if they saw you in the uniform, they would think differently. So someone with a a lie of trust, it's, you know, particularly with the uniform it's like you know being cursed twice right if you yeah. already have the trust and you wear the uniform and you take it off people then start questioning your integrity but if you had the uniform on they look at you in a different light yeah. and that's the hard part with people with trust who's also in the uniform who also wear the uniform Yeah, yeah. you know police officer a fireman you already see those public figures at a high level of trust and uh, when the uniform comes off that trust is still there you know whether they do doing a post on uh, Social media apps, you know, the integrity is at the highest. And as I told you earlier uh, in the past, you know, trust, I think, in the future is going to be more valuable than money. Uh, because people can always go back and look at your history. Yeah. You know, because of social media and the way that uh, works, once it's on the, you know, the Internet, it's on there forever. They can look. And if you ever misrepresented yourself and in, infringed on your trust, uh, someone can call you out on that. And it's so hard to come back from that. So people with trust are always making sure they want to uh, that they, they, they keep it at such a uh, a pure level that no one could ever come back and, and point at uh, point them to and say, well, you weren't truly honest at that point. Yeah. In fact, people with trust with this why um, is uh, will often uh, repeat conversations, past conversations, repeat uh, with the individuals that they had to show that they were listening to them.
0: Ah. And, and
1: they had a, 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 a. They were paying attention, and recall certain aspects of a. a, 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 a yeah, you've a done that discussion. with me. I do that with a lot of people, and yeah. I started started thinking about that uh, over the past uh, couple months. I said, you know, I do that a lot. Why is that? Because I want them to trust me, that I was listening to them, ah. that I care about what happens in, in their life as well. So, so that's something you might notice with people with the trust. Wise that repeat conversations that. You may have had many months ago, but they want
0: to show you they remember and that they care. So, Matt, when did when did trust become an important thing for you? I mean, when did you, if you were to look back in your life and you say, okay, this stage in my life, I something happened, something I noticed, something went on that really made trust important to me. Can you go back to that time or... It it wasn't always like one, you think, one
1: main event. Ah, trust is so important to me. It it, it was always part of who you were. And growing up as a kid in a military family. Your dad was in the military? My dad was in the military for a short time. Mom was not in the military. Just just a housewife. Okay. uh, And uh, cousins and uh, uncles in the military. And uh, going to uh, functions on base. uh, You just saw the uniform and you saw the the high level of... uh, uh, respect that carried with it. Uh, what particularly made that in interesting film, to you? That just the high esteem the general public put with the military. And that's why when you see, the you know, sir, particularly the service academies, have a cheating scandal happen, it just grates on those of us in the military, uh, particularly those with the why of trust, yeah. saying, oh my gosh, how can you guys be doing that? How can you really be uh, a tarnishing the military? Because it just kind of chips away With public persona of who we are. You know, we see in the military, it just kind of whittles away at that. But again, that aspect I told you about kind of personified it for me was that hey, you don't need to swear on the Bible. You're in the military. Your word is your bond.
0: But I I understand before that, you high school, middle school, you I mean, I can imagine you were somebody who did what they said they were gonna do.
1: You just want to be your word is your
0: bond. What made you realize that? What was it that made you say, I got to do what I say I'm going to do?
1: Because I,
0: I just wanted people
1: to, to believe in me that I, would, I was one who would follow through with what they said.
0: Was there a time when they didn't?
1: So you know, not a particular event. Just that thinking that back, was there, was
0: there one event?
1: You know, and, and something that sometimes comes to mind, and obviously it did because I'm remembering it. You know, obviously when I was five years old, and we're talking, that's 45 years ago, right? It's almost a half century ago. Uh was, uh, you know, I, I just got this first aid kit, you know, uh, little kid first aid kit, band-aids, uh, you know, probably little wraps, uh, baby stethoscope, uh, that type of stuff. And uh, I left the room and I told my brother, "Don't, don't touch any of that." And he had a friend over, and I forgot you know, who the friend's name was. But I, I left and I came back, and it's kind of a funny story if you think about it. Every single band-aid was undone and placed on this big teddy bear we called Hubert. I don't know for those that are in the older generation I remember the Huberts. And so just Band-Aids all over them. And I remember that saying, I told you not to do that, but now you took the, uh, all my Band-Aids and used every single one up, right? There wasn't, a single <laughs> there wasn't a single Band-Aid left and put it on this basically big stuffed bear, probably three feet big, right? Uh-huh. Uh, all over them for whatever reason. I'm like, you know, so that's one of those things where you see, you know, where my brother uh, did that, you know, still love him to death, but it was just one of the things, really? You had to use every Band-Aid? <laughs> you couldn't save any Band-Aids from me? That's kind of a funny story, but you remember stuff like that. Yeah. You know, not that it was bad, but you just remember that event that, I, you know, you, you were leaving the room, you, you were going, you know, parents were calling, you or know, whatever, and you tell them, don't touch my first aid kit, don't use my Band-Aids, or whatever, I don't know what I said. It was kind of a funny story like that, and he uses every single Band-Aid. Boy, and you come back,
0: there's a shock, right? Yeah. So that it's kind of funny in that respect. Usually there's something that played out in your life where you realize that being true to your word is important to you, that being true to your word means everything, and not being true to your word, letting somebody down really hurts, really makes a...
1: And, and honestly, I mean, we, we've all, we've all uh, done things in our past we're not particularly proud of, but you know, a scenario that comes to mind uh, that I wasn't uh, very proud of, and I, I let down my parents, I let down my friends uh, when I got arrested, when I was a 17-year-old for uh, possession of alcohol by a minor. Mm. And interestingly enough, the arresting officer, who is now the chief of police of Albuquerque, New Mexico, <laughs> who we've, we've seen each other to and, and, and laughed about it, uh, Blows me away know. that
0: he would remember you from yeah. Oh, yeah, 30 years uh, ago. He
1: remembers my family's name and stuff like that. And he yeah. knew I was in Albuquerque, which was great, but I saw him at a function a while ago. We, we exchanged pleasantries. It was great to catch up with him. And, but the whole point of it is I, I let my family down by doing something you know in violation of the law. Uh, Before that, like was that. it
0: important for you? So think back. It
1: was because I know you never want to let anybody down. With, with the people, with the why of trust, you never want to let anybody down because it really hurts you if you do. If you give them your word that you're going to be somewhere, you're going to do something, for them, and you don't, you will continue to dwell on it until you do. And so even today, uh, with the you know when I tell someone I'm going to do something, it, it's it's almost like you put it on a permanent pad of paper in your brain. And until you check it off, that you did it for them, you will think about it. Mm. I, I can't explain it. It's just there. And, and, and you, you remember it at the weirdest times with the Y with the of Trust that, oh, yeah, I told someone I was going to do something for them. Whether it be passing a phone number, simple things like that. Some people might just blow that off. Other people will probably be, uh, said, well, that was no big deal. Just yeah. because you forgot to pass a phone number or an email address, you know, something. Hey, I'll pass you that phone. I'll give you that email address. I'll put you in contact with so-and-so. Uh, which happens a lot at our level now, which is basically, you know, connecting with folks. And until you do, you think about it. Within the past week, you know, I wanted to connect two friends uh, within the test organization. And, you know, one who's trying to get in a test, one who's already uh, a part of test, uh, looking for a, a future job opportunity. I tell you what, I've been thinking about it for the past seven days until I actually sent them an email and connected them to on the email where there's a three-way email conversation mm-hmm. until yeah. I did it, it. It was mental checklist and I could not get rid of it. It's the weirdest thing because I wanted him to trust me. I was going to follow through follow on through. my word. Those with the tr- a lot of trust can probably understand what I'm telling them. Yeah. When you say, when you tell people something that you're going to do, you, you do will it. continue to think about it until you do it. And so you want to do it right away with, the, uh, with this because it gets it off your mental checklist. Yeah. So you want to be proactive and you want to be quick. And so a lot of times the people at the, the life Trust will make sure they want, make sure they accomplish something very quickly for that person they told them they, they would, uh, you know, uh, support, do something for. When
0: did you realize you wanted to go into the military?
1: How old were you? Oh, I was probably five or six. Five or six years yeah, old. Yeah, it goes back that military. far because my dad had just gotten out of the military. I had two uncles that were uh, both in the military, active duty at that time. And my grandfather was retired military. Uh, and then my mom's dad was a, a Marine in, the, in World War II. So it was just that aspect to serve, to serve other people. And so people with, you know, with the trust, why, you know, they want to make sure that they are following through with what they said they were going to do. And I guess I said probably a long time ago that I wanted to go in the military. And gosh darn it, I was going to
0: follow through on my word. And why did you say you wanted to do it? What about yeah. it was attractive to you? What about it did you see? Why did you say... I want well, to do that.
1: The respect uh, of those with the military, the uh, the commitment to serve something greater than yourself. Why really did you care at age me.
0: five? Think back to age five and said, "I'm going to go in the military." Why did you care? What was what was going on with you that says, "I'm going to do that"? Cause you could have picked anything, right? You'd said, but you wanted to be in the military. I wanted to finish probably what my dad didn't finish. My
1: dad got out when I was five, you know, so I've never really experienced the military life, and then I kind of sort of experienced it with the other military. Uh, uncles yeah. and their sons went in the military, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it was kind of drawn that way as I saw everybody kind of going that way. What do you uh, mean your
0: dad didn't finish?
1: I think he wanted to stay in the military, honestly. If you think back to it, I think my mom uh, really kind of forced him to get out of the uh, military. She kind of wanted that stability uh, with the family aspect to that and um, I think my dad had a strong desire to continue to serve. And he got, uh, he got out for my for my mom and uh, for the family aspect, not that I knew any difference. I was five. My brother was four, so it you know, didn't really ma- make a difference to us. We experienced a little bit. You know, he did, we did Korea, and then Fort Eustis, and next thing you know, we were out. And he's selling insurance in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Right? So why
0: did that make you want to go in the military?
1: Because I, I, I wanted to see it all the way through of what the military lifestyle was like, and, and the uh, the bond that uh, you know those that serve share.
0: Ah, what do you mean by that?
1: you know, the, the bond that I will be there for that person. You know, when you're, you're the band, you've seen The Band of Brothers, you've probably seen other movies uh, to that extent where, you know, you can trust those of which you served. And I tell you what, to those, you know, I've served downrange with on multiplication, whether it be in the Horn of Africa, or in Saudi Arabia, or Afghanistan, Brothers in Arms, we, we had each other's backs, we uh, supported each other, and to this day, I tell you what, if the, the phone rang, and so-and-so said they were in town, it would be one of those things you'd drop anything you would do that was going on to go meet them because, I guess, the bond you share, the trust that you share together. Uh, Did you feel like you didn't have that at home? I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's a good question. You know, parents got divorced when I was a teenager. You know, I went to live with my mom and her parents out in Chicago. Uh, you never really saw that uh, family aspect continue past when I was 13. So maybe the the trust and the bond is, is even that much more important to me, with uh, my family. You know, to be there for them uh, because uh, my family kind of uh, disintegrated a little bit with uh, you know when I was a teenager, for uh, you know aspects that you know are very complicated at this point. But you kind of understand it as you get a, as an, uh, older, as an adult.
0: So you know? what are the odds of this? We're in the middle of a conversation. <laughs> and the wind picks up. And the right? wind picks up out of nowhere. There's been no wind all day. And we're, we're essentially
1: down a tunnel right here because yeah. we have buildings on either <laughs> side of us. So it's only accelerating.
0: So I don't know if you can hear this on the podcast, but suddenly there's like this massive gust of wind shooting through here and papers are flying everywhere. Well, that's the, what you get with the man on the street aspect. Man got on the street, got, man. You got
1: the environment uh, of with the, uh, uh, all elements uh, of with the interview. Not yeah. just in a uh, closed environment, but you got the, uh, the, the pizza plates, the beer, the... Uh, kids I mean, screaming, kids the people cr- talking, the Harleys going by. The music in the background, but you know what? It makes it for a perfect atmosphere for some of these, these conversations with a good friend
0: yeah, uh, who's also willing to trust you. Yeah, exactly. So you got into the military, and where all did that take you? So you, were, you got in at what age? Uh, right out of college, you know, ROTC, uh, 22, graduated from college. Uh,
1: was commissioned and uh, was given a pilot training date, and uh, the career started from there. It was 1992, right? A long time ago. Why Air uh, Force? Um, probably for the diversification of uh, uh, things to fly. My whole family was pilots, but oh, okay. they were Army pilots. Ah. So it was you know, basically rotary wing. How did they feel and, about you going to Air Force? Uh, they were proud, but it also comes with its own ribbing <laughs> because they're all Army. Seriously, they're all Army. 100% until I went into the Air Force. Uh, but uh, I guess all is forgiven because obviously the Air Force is a cousin of the Army. Yeah. Uh, and I, it didn't really become, uh, I wasn't completely off the hook until this past year when my <laughs> nephew graduated, well actually cousins, graduated from Annapolis. And now he's in the Navy. So now I, at least I'm a cousin, right, yeah. to the Army. He is the Navy. Right, so it goes back to the uh, can you know, the navy, the can you? Go army, beat navy, right? Yeah. So at this point, uh, I am completely forgiven <laughs> because <laughs> I did not go navy, and they finally realize it. And there's been some uh, light banter on the emails and uh, and uh, Facebook chatter that uh, Matt, you're forgiven. Now, you know, uh, cousin uh, John Michael, mm-hmm. you know, he really went astray. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he's going to the navy, but you know what? Soon I'll be forgiven because you know where he's going. Naval flight school here in oh. a few short in a few short months. I think in October. So he's flying for the so he's going to be flying for the Navy. So, the Navy. so, so continuing the pilot tradition just with of the, the, Navy. the family, just going to the Navy. So you, you got to get a, a tip of the hat saying, all right,
0: at least you're gonna, at least you're going to be a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> so what what uh, tell everybody a little bit about Aftotech? What is Afotech? Because I find it fascinating. It's a, it does
1: the operational test for what the Air Force is buying. You have a thing that uh, you, you know, you're looking to acquire. Does it perform a certain way? Does it perform a, in a manner of which you is predictable? Yes. But then you take that in an environment that has heat, rain, um, dust, combat, and we test it in those environments because not everything uh, behaves the same way in a controlled environment, what we call developmental test, versus an operational environment, uh, which is basically real life. Yeah, what's happening out there? So we take things into real life and test them in that aspect, and will they behave in the same way that the uh, developmental testers behaved
0: in their way? So you take a new product and figure out how it actually works, and is it viable? Is it going to work? Do we want it? <laughs> well, I mean, we both fit. You know, the developmental
1: testers, which are the people that help with the uh, the acquisitions of it uh they determine yes it will work but then we put it under stressful conditions And that okay. might be a way to think of it as operational test puts it under those stressful conditions will it still work when it's you know when you're when you're trying to make it to uh, perform in a certain way you know so what's been every the... aircraft will probably fly straight straight and level yeah but can the aircraft fly at a uh, high degree of bank and be able to shoot a missile at the same time that's an operational environment versus flying straight and level ah. which is a developmental environment
0: you test some pretty serious machines and some pretty serious stuff. My, yeah, the center does, yeah. The center does, yeah. yeah. You just so, tell them what to test? Or right. I...
1: And so one of the things, the unique thing about uh, the operational test uh, of the Air Force are... Uh, what does AFOTEC stand for? Air Force Operational Test and Evaluation Center. Okay. And uh, what it does is it provides, and this is our uh, mission statement, operational truth to the warfighter. What better place for a guy with <laughs> the lie of trust, right? And so just the other day, I was out at CODUP, which is the Naval Operational Test and Evaluation Force out in Norfolk. Their mission statement was provide operational truth to the Navy. It's like, wait a minute, we got the same mission statement. <laughs> that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Who knew until they just, you know, I've been in the, you know, uh, Apotech here for, what, four years, and, and I just learned what our sister service's uh, mission statement was. It's very much providing truth. And sometimes when you say, well, we'll we'll provide the operational truth, it's like, well, was everybody else not providing that truth? No, they were providing that truth. And it's it's an interesting thing to say because in the military, you just want to make sure you're providing all the data you can to the people that are going to make the decisions on whether to field it or not field it, whether to buy 10 or Uh 15,000. And you just want to give them that information when you provide the operational truth of this is how it behaves,
0: this is how it operates in these realistic environments.
1: You know, so you're to, not a to, thumbs up,
0: thumbs down. You're no. a, this is, what, this is what we found. If this is what you want, then great. If it's right. not what you found, yeah, it's not what you want, of, then great.
1: Right, this is the level you, uh, of risk that we see. Are you willing to accept that level, level of uh, risk or not? I got you. Know? you. So that's when you're providing that in, insight to them, they, they make a better informed decision yeah and that's all uh, we, we really do is provide a that, that, uh, level of decision that makes it more accurate of uh, if you want to continue to apply it or maybe you never another aspect is I never thought about using it this way, but it provides so much value if I put it this way. I wouldn't have known that if you guys didn't run your operational
0: test on it you know. So what's next for you? You've been doing this for... 27
1: years. 27 years. How many I more are you going to do? An, another year left in the gas tank. And and then I'd like to get on something a little bit different. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to help uh, this country, this great country of ours, get back into the spa- space race of, uh, of finding new and uh, new ways of exploring our solar system, our yeah. universe. I know the moon is back in play. I know the Mars is back in play. I'd love to take what I've learned in the Air Force uh, of testing and uh, bring that to the civilian world or even uh, uh, back into government work to figure out uh, how can we uh, go back to something that's very appropriate, you know, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, to try to get back into uh, exploring our horizons. And and that kind of gets me excited. And I know there's uh, plenty of opportunities out there, whether it be in uh, California with SpaceX or uh, uh, Atlantic uh, Coast there with NASA of of opportunities to say, you know, I've got some testing background. I know how to uh, put things under uh, a strain, and be able to uh, think things uh, critically. I'd love to try to give you a hand and see if you get, get us back towards a, uh, a awesome. mission to Mars, if you yeah. want, or a mission back to the moon, and see that again in our lifetime. You know, because I was born in 1969. You know, the last time we were on the moon was 1972. Wow. I don't know how much you remember. I don't remember any of it. I was right? 10. Yeah. Uh, so to think back to uh, those aspects and say, you know what? we're back out
0: there and we're doing it again. Wow. What's the secret to testing something? You've got a new something that you're going to test. How do you know how to test it?
1: Well, we have some very smart people that that have been doing this for uh, decades, if you will. Uh, And we learn from them, the sages of the uh, organization, uh, but also talking to the warfighter. How do you want us to test this? It should not just necessarily be in a vacuum of how we think, but we also care about what the warfighter thinks and the things that you want us to test that we're not thinking about. So we also ask those questions to them before we start testing. What are the three things you wanna know about this before you buy it? Which so is very informative. And that actually shapes a lot of our decisions about what we're gonna test, because you can't test everything. There's not enough time or money to be able to test everything. But we can test you know certain aspects within what we call the design of experiments, within that box of, uh, of design about, we can test over here, we can test a little bit down here, that after you know, but after that we run out of money. Is that will that help you? Wow. And or they say no. Test a little bit over here, a little bit over here, and a little bit over here, and it uh, better informs our design to get the answers they want to know about. Right. It shouldn't be just care of what we know, we want to know because we all take an operational uh, aspect to how we think it should be tested. But we want to make sure we're asking the uh, the warfighter, if you will, the operator, who's actually going to be employing this, because many of us have been out of the operating world for. 10, yeah. 12, 15 years. So we're getting a little bit dated. We're getting a little bit longer in the tooth. So we want to make sure we're reaching back to those captains. So those you, interview,
0: yeah. you interview, you design, yep. budget, and go. Exactly. Yeah. And write a report.
1: And the big thing with that report is we follow through with our report. When our report is going to be delivered on this day, usually uh, 45 days, Four, after, the days last, after the last oh. test event, our report will be delivered and it usually meets a milestone event before a major uh, purchasing decision is made, right, uh, before they say, we're going to buy 10,000 of these, we make sure our report is out in front of that so they can look at it and say, yep, that is the right call to con- let's yeah. call good to buy. Or maybe we we'll want to do a little bit more testing, or maybe there's some follow-on testing, what we call uh, in the uh, AFOTEC, F-O-T-E, yeah. follow-on testing, uh, that we want to know more information. We're going to buy it, but you know what? Test it some more
0: mm. and tell us
1: what else we can do with it. Interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So, so I really enjoy it, and that's why I, say I have a little more fuel left in the tank because I really love what I do. Uh, I really, I really see the uh, the long term investment and the reward to, going to work every morning uh, to see. Yeah, I am too young the air to force. be. i putting all this air- experience to, to right. bed. I know, but I'm shaping the air force to long after I get out. Yeah, and that's rewarding. It's not like I'm shaping the air force and, for the next year, and I get to see that uh, uh, bang for the buck. I'm shaping the Air Force 10, 15 years down the road where I'll be out of the Air Force. But the satisfaction will become reading about something in a, a news article or on an online web saying, you know what, I helped that. Yep. As, as small as it might be, I helped shape that, I helped push that, I helped influence that. And that's where reward is uh, when yeah. you see that 15 years because I still feel like I'm still in the Air Force. Awesome. A little bit of me is still in the Air Force and, and still participating. Even though I might be long out. Uh, you know, and, and and work in the civilian world
0: uh, to see that aspect uh, is still. That's very much what job satisfaction is. Awesome, Matt. Thank you so much for being on today. I'm exci- I'm just glad that we finally got to sit and talk. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope that I hope the wind wasn't too
1: bad at the end of the I interview here. I, I'm glad we're uh, mic'd up the way we are.
0: I hope and, that. Uh, and I hope
1: this is a new aspect you will continue to uh, explore. About, <laughs> you know, uh, without
0: the wind. Without the
1: well. Wow. Uh, you know, bring uh, others with the uh, uh, with
0: the why and what what brought them about to uh, how they discovered their why. And I'm sure we'll be working together more in the future. So, Matt, thank you so much. If there's somebody here listening to this that says, you know what, I want to connect with Matt because I know in a year he's going to be somebody that I would like to have part of my organization. Is there any way that they can get a hold of you, or how would something like that work?
1: Well, they sure can. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. So, uh, Matthew Magnus, uh, you can find me. Uh, very easily uh or you can also email me if you prefer at af mags air force mags right uh-huh. at aol.com i think i'm one of the only few still out there who still have an aol, AOL. Uh, yeah, address but uh, i will answer you and uh, i appreciate just reaching out if you if you heard about this interview and if uh, you also have the uh, trust to why and i uh, want to further chat sounds great man thanks
0: again for being here you're welcome